0: Hi, everybody. It's Juliet again, your host. So this week I'm going to be talking about Pinchas. And it's joie de vivre, not exactly Pinchas. I have so much on my mind when I think about this parsha named Pinchas, named for him, this really violent guy. So it starts with a con- as a continuation of this horrendous story that ended last week's reading, and continues with one of the most empowering, beautiful, and random stories of the Torah. I, see, I say random because we don't hear about Tzlovchad or his daughters before or after this. So this guy, Tzlovchad, is supposed to be a good guy. He's righteous in that he didn't participate in Korach's rebellion against Moses. That's pretty much all we know about him. And Pinchas is supposed to be righteous too, according to God. But I don't like him at all. Pinchas is what we would call a zealot. He's violent and he's ready to kill in the name of God. And last week's Parsha, after the talking donkey and Balak and Balaam took up most of the story, it ended with this brutal murder by Pinchas. He's an Israelite who was all too happy to stick his sword through a couple. It's an Israelite man and a Moabite or Midianite woman. It's not really consistent how they identify her. They're entering a tent to have sex. He literally follows them into the tent and stabs them through as if they were one. Like, yuck. Gross, right? The story of Pinchas is all about the Israelites being lured away, apparently through the use of sex, to worship a different god. Um, You know, this struggle towards monotheism is a very, very long one, so that's why it keeps coming up in the Torah. And our god, the Israelite god, our in in quotes, orders the ringleaders to be impaled. A plague that God has started again. God, is that not getting old? It's stopped because of this righteous behavior on Pinchas' part. Pinchas is rewarded for his behavior at the beginning of this week's reading. He and his descendants will all become priests forevermore. So here's something that struck me. God seems to live from a place of outrage. He's ready to spring at any moment, and he rewards violence. Not good. Another thing that struck me, random women are named in this Parsha. They actually have names, the Midianite women, woman, and the daughters of Slavchad, which is a really rare thing in the Torah. And these daughters are special, and I'm going to tell you why they're special. So Slavchad has five daughters, and when he dies... They're not due to inherit any of his property. And that's going to leave them desolate. So they appeal to Moses. They go as a group. And Moses goes to God. He's like, okay, let me check this out for you. I'll go to talk to God. And God says, okay, you know what? Yeah, the law law should be changed so females can inherit property so long as there are no males around. Obviously, that's a big deal at that time, if we put this in context. And I think it is important to put the Torah in the historical context. So this is a really big win. And there's no big argument. It's just pure and simple justice. Here, God is actually kind and caring, the opposite of what he was just a few minutes ago. So today we might say that God has, (laughs) I think this is kind of funny, Today, we might say that God has borderline personality disorder. I mean, this actually occurred to me. It's like his behavior is erratic. He's manipulative. He swings between being kind and generous and then violent and punishing and rageful. This God is a God you're walking around on eggshells. All joking aside, what do you do in a world that has all of these things? Injustice, violence, outrage, And also justice and love and caring and open-mindedness and flexibility. What do you do with this seeming contradiction, having to hold all of these pieces? Well, in the middle of this week's Parsha, I feel like there's a little bit of an answer to that. There's a repetitive taking of the census, and it ends with a reminder, like they go through all the different tribes, the different clans. This is how many, 53,400 in this clan, and 50, you know, blah, 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 blah. And it ends with a reminder of the holidays. The Parsha ends with a reminder of the holidays, how to observe them, and most specifically the the sacrifices to be made and how to make them. To me, it's like saying there's a normal, even-keeled part of life too. It goes on, life goes on, no matter what you think. Everything continues, the drama passes, life can be routine as well. I was listening to this podcast called The Experiment. I don't know if I mentioned it last week. I love this podcast. It's a pretty new one. It's an NPR one. And the host was, uh, someone was interviewing Dr. Ruth, Dr. Ruth Ruth Westheimer the other day. Dr. Ruth has a very special place in my heart because I was a young teen when she started talking about sex on the radio and I used to listen to her. Every single week, and I was wondering what would she say about the whoring women in the Bible. Ha. (laughs) Anyway, here we are coming to the end of the pandemic, at least in the U.S., with vaccination rates high enough that we can kind of say that we're we have herd immunity. Things are getting better. Life is quote unquote going back to normal. Things are quote. Opening up again. Everyone loves to say these things, right? And the interviewer, the interviewer wanted to get Dr. Ruth's perspective. What would she? What was her take on the pandemic? And what would? What should we take away from the pandemic? What about the trauma and the grief? We talk so much about the trauma and the grief, right? Oh, we have to make sure that we're taking care of ourselves and taking care of each other and not just pushing it under the rug, just shoving it under the rug. We need to make room for that, right? Keep talking about it, right? And guess what Dr. Ruth said? Absolutely not. Move on. Okay, I hope that was a good imitation of her. Well, well, anyway, so I, she was so, you know, she's a really strong personality. And here we are when all the rest of us were whining. Dr. Ruth knew that this pandemic would end. She stayed in her apartment, never went out, according to what I heard. She's, she was 92. She's 93 now. She was all alone for over a year, never going out. I mean, talk about lonely. And she said she was a therapist to herself, and that was a really good thing, that she could be a good therapist to herself. And that got her through it. So this is the perspective of a woman who was sent off to travel on her own to safety as a young child. I think she was eight or something like that. During World War II, lost her entire family to the Holocaust and made a new life over and over again in several different countries. I I saw a movie, there's a... Netflix movie about her on, um, yeah, a Netflix movie that came out during the pandemic. And it was so inspiring to me while I was recovering from coronavirus, because I was like, wow, if she can get through this. If she could get through that, everything that she did, it, it, amazing. So this is the kind of person who only looks forward. She says, move on. Take the lessons from the past, from the Holocaust, from the pandemic. Never forget them but move on, keep planning for the future. The tulips, she said, were so beautiful this year and they will be even more beautiful next year. Dr. Ruth loves to repeat the phrase, joie de vivre. So what do we take from the lessons of the Torah and what do we leave behind? What do we take, right, from Torah? So how about we leave behind the violence and the misogyny of an ancient society? I mean, isn't it time how about we leave behind the almost constant state of outrage that seems to be coming from God? Because we're kind of carrying that with us. There's so much to be outraged about. It's not good for us individually to carry so much outrage with us all the time, and it ripples out in destructive ways socially and societally. I think it's time to let that all go, don't you think? It doesn't mean that we don't do something about what's wrong, but we're not constantly talking about it and rehashing it. And I mean, we know, we know. So how about instead we carry forward the lessons of the power of the collective and the power of women, the ability to work together. How about we carry forward the ability of these women to lead the way for other women and to do so peacefully without fighting they didn't fight each other. I mean, at least that's not in the, in the Torah. We could imagine what went on, but they went as a collective. Someone in my morning minion said, and you can come. I talked about it last week. They pointed out how often do sisters get along and five of them, I mean, they come as a group, level-headed, organized, coherent, and they talk to Moses. How about the possibility Also, of those of us who can stand up for those who cannot stand up for themselves, how about that? We carry that forward. We stand up level-headed, organized, and coherent. And how about more joie de vivre? Hope to hear from you. Hope to see you next week. I hope you'll listen again. And thanks for being here with me today. Shavua Tov. Have a good week.